Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Have you ever been snow skiing? Snow skiing is, in my opinion, is one very time-consuming sport because you spend like one day on the slopes and then the next three in the hospital. <laughs> you know, first time I went, I remember thinking, how hard can this be? This is really simply a matter of physics. Just maintain your balance and keep a low center of gravity. It was fun until I started looking for the steering wheel. Have you ever tried to go down a hill without turning? Don't. I'm flying down this hill faster than the speed of light. And then this thought crosses my mind as I get down toward the bottom. How am I going to stop? I blew off the training at the bunny hill. So I didn't know the snow plow and I didn't know the jump stop. So the only option left for a rookie like me was something along the lines of, well, this. And of course, it happened right next to the chairlift line. Well, last week, Julie kind of kicked off a new series where we're teaching through a part of the Bible. Well, what part? Let me give you a clue. One of the verses says this, Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on that day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live in the earth. Getting excited? We're going to be teaching through the the minor prophets. And maybe you're thinking, what? Well, the minor prophets, here's what they are. They're the last 12 books that are found in the Old Testament. And a lot of them, when you read through them, they sound a whole lot the same. So maybe you're thinking, well, why? Why would we go through those obscure books? Let me tell you why. At the Ridge, we do believe that the Bible is God's Word. There's nothing like it in all of history or literature that is God's Word, that all of it is God's Word. So we, we don't just say that. We live that out. And our commitment is to teach through all of it. So a while back, I asked myself the question, is there any books in the Bible that, that I've been ignoring? What's the the books of the Bible that I would least like to teach? And the answer, well, the minor prophets. How's that for a promo to generate interest in a new series? We didn't put that on the logo, but that's the truth. That's kind of what's behind this. Nearly 33% of your Bible consists of the prophets. That's a Big chunk of the Bible to ignore. God put the prophets in the Bible for a reason. So before we dig into the specifics, here's where we're going to go. A little road map. In the weeks to come, we're going to take one minor prophet each week. For today, I want us to do kind of a, a flyover and get the big picture idea. And let me start by asking this. Well, what's the big idea and what's a prophet? 
Interesting. Six of these 12 books of the Bible begin with the exact same eight words. These are the words. In Joel 1 verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to fill in the blank. Joel or Hosea or Micah, right from the beginning, we are seeing what it, what the role of a prophet is. Prophet is a person who, who doesn't speak on their own authority, who isn't just sharing their own personal opinions, but rather is speaking the words that God gave to them. God explains it this way to the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. When we're reading through the minor prophets, understand that these are words that are coming directly from God. Now let me ask this question. When do most people need a prophet? When things are going really good? When we're following God? When we're trusting God? When we need an encouraging pat on the back? More like a kick in the pants. Like when we're failing, when we're traveling down that hill at the speed of light, a prophet is the one who says, hold on, slow down, understand what you're doing, understand how you're living, understand the consequences of your actions. The same God who gave you life, he knows how best to live it. He knows what's good for you and he knows what's bad for you. You may be enjoying the ride, But you don't know what's at the bottom of the hill. Follow. Listen to the instructor. That's the flyover. That's the big picture. That's a prophet. Now, would would you want to be a prophet? I would not. I wouldn't want to be a prophet. Actually, I haven't even been all that eager to teach through the prophetic books. So why? Why? Next question I asked myself was, well, why? Why am I hesitant to do that? Well, I think it has something to do with with this. I don't want to face plant in the snow. I don't want to fail. Here's my upfront confession as we enter into this series. As I read these books in the prophet, I'm not so sure I understand them. There's some confusing stuff in here. And I'm not sure that that I'm going to be able to communicate these effectively. And even if I do, I'm not sure that they even make a difference. I mean, look what happened historically. Look at what happened to the original people who heard these messages. It's pretty consistent across the board with all of these minor prophets. Look at Amos, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa. Amos, he was a good, he was a humble man. He didn't have an axe to grind. He was a shepherd. He was just a simple shepherd. God shows up to Amos in the field and says, Well, Amos, my children, well, they are playing with fire and they're going to get burned. I don't want that to happen to them. I care about them. I love them. Amos, I want you to go and tell them this. Verse 2. The Lord roars from Zion and and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. 
Amos went. Amos, well, he warned. But the people, they weren't listening. We have his words recorded in the Bible, but understand, they didn't believe them. And they didn't trust them. And they didn't turn back to the Lord. Amos, he tried. He did his best. He shared the words of the Lord, but they didn't seem to make a difference. Let's try another one of the prophets. How about this guy, Zephaniah 1.1? The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. That's significant. Zephaniah wasn't a shepherd in the field when he received the word from the Lord. Zephaniah, this guy was royalty. He was a direct descendant of one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel, Hezekiah. Zephaniah wasn't sitting on the throne, but he was sitting pretty close with little to gain, but a life of leisure to lose. Zephaniah declared these words. Chapter two, verse one, gather together, gather together. Oh, shameful nation before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. That little speech, that's not going to win him any motivational speaker awards. Did it work? After he shared, did did the people humble themselves and say, oh, you're right, Zephaniah, we're going to we're going to pursue the Lord? Well, no, that didn't happen. The people didn't listen. The people didn't change. We have these words in the Bible, but they didn't. Go there. Rather, Zephaniah ended up witnessing in his lifetime the Babylonian army come in, conquer his nation, burn their cities, and deport many of the people to a foreign land. Zephaniah, well, he tried, but his message didn't seem to make a difference. And one more. There's this guy, Zechariah 1.1. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah, if any of the prophets in the Bible are optimists, it's this guy. I mean, Zechariah, his family was one of those who got deported to a foreign land. Zechariah was born into exile. Zechariah was a prophet, but his message, it wasn't doom and his message wasn't gloom. His message, his was a message of great hope. Here's a sample. Chapter 10, verse 6. Remember, the people are in exile. I will strengthen the house of Judah and save the house of Joseph. I will restore them because I have compassion on them. They will be as though I had not rejected them, for I am the Lord, their God, and I will answer them. And it gets better. Verse 9. Though I scatter them among the people, yet in distant lands, they will remember me. They and their children will survive and they will return. He's saying, have hope. He's saying, be filled with joy. Our situation right now, it might not be great. It might not be good. It might be be displeasurable, but God isn't giving up on us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. He is coming. He is coming. The king is coming. God will will send a savior. God will send a Messiah. God will send the king. Be ready. Be looking. Be waiting. Well, his words were fulfilled. The savior came. Jesus was born. But 
You may know this part of the story. They didn't accept him. They rejected him. They crucified him. Zechariah, well, he tried. But his message didn't seem to make a difference. See, the message of these prophets, we can read these. And we can gather together and we can talk about these. But know this, these messages of the prophets, they didn't work. Not in the original context. They didn't seem to change hearts. Didn't seem to to turn the nation. By most earthly measures, the measure of the, 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 the message of the prophets, it failed. Well, there I am, down at the bottom of the hill, all crumpled up like Frosty the Uncoordinated Snowball. You know? And I'm thinking, why? Racing down an icy hill, no steering wheel, no brakes, and I'm paying money to do this. Why? Well, I, I crash, I failed. Here's the question, what do I do next? Do I go home or do I get up? Do I hit the lodge or do I hit the hill? How do you want to do life? Do you want the the fear of failure to drive your decisions? Look to these prophets. They knew that the odds were slim. They knew that the words God had given them weren't going to be well received. They knew the hope that they would actually turn things around was really quite faint. But they didn't let that stop them. What is the fear of failure preventing you from doing today? Maybe you've heard it put this way. What would you do if you were guaranteed that you would not fail? What would you do? I mean, how would you answer that question? Would you pursue a dream? Would you share your faith? Would you heal a relationship? You know, I think I would. I think I'd end world hunger. I think I'd discover a cure for cancer. I think I'd... And create world peace. I think I would save the rain for us. Would I really do that? I mean, really. Because I, I think that we can blow a lot of smoke when we hypothetically respond to the question, what would I do if I knew that I couldn't fail? What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Well, I would like to think that I would save the world. And I would like to think that I would do all these good things. And I would like to think that I would do some good things for the kingdom. But when I am blatantly honest, you know what I think I'd do? Somehow, some way, I'd get self-absorbed. I would find a way to turn that into something for me for my purposes, for my agenda, for my pleasure. See, I, I, I don't think it's just these prophets that experience failure. 
It's not just these people in the Old Testament. Oh, they heard the word of the Lord. They had these prophets, but they didn't do anything with it. They're not the only ones who don't always follow the word of the Lord. That's also me. And if that can be true of you, if sometimes, you know, you fall short, then I invite you to read these words with me. It's from Psalm 73, verse 26. Join me. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My heart and my flesh may fail. Those words are true of me. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. You know, maybe, just maybe, we aren't supposed to succeed at everything. Maybe we're not supposed to fly through life without hitting any obstacles. Maybe everything is not supposed to go the the way that we always think it's going to go or desire for it to go. Maybe we're not supposed to do all things well. Maybe it's okay to fail. Maybe failure is a part of God's plan. Maybe it's good for us. When we fail, we don't get what we want, but we can become who who, who God wants. God put that this way when he was speaking to the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So then Paul says this, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The Hebrew Bible has something different than the Bible that you have today. In the Hebrew Bible, the minor prophets aren't 12 individual separate books. Minor prophets are all combined into one book. It's called this, the 12. Today, a lot of people just skip over the minor prophets. We figure, well, if they're called minor, how important can they be? Well, they're not called minor prophets because they're unimportant. They're in the Bible. They're called minor prophets because they're short. Just a few chapters for most of these. And I think that we will discover in the weeks ahead that most of them aren't just the stereotype doom and gloom and judgment. When we look deeper, we'll see most of these prophetic books were written to the people After they had already failed. Remember that. These were written mostly after the people had already failed. And it's God saying, hey, I want to explain to you. Here's my restoration plan. Here's how you, you can get tight with me. That, that's an invitation. That's That's a lot of good news. I think failure can be a pretty good teacher. 
What do you do when you fail? What do you do when you find yourself in a mess? Is your instinct to, to look for excuses or to just give up? Because these minor prophets, they offer a different approach. They encourage us to ask a question, to ask God, what can I learn in this? God, what are you showing me in this? Failure reveals I'm not God. And I need to be reminded of that. Reveals my ways aren't always right. And I need to be reminded of that. My plan is not always best. And I need to be reminded of that. Failure reveals to me, I'm not perfect. I need help. I need a Savior. And we've been given one. His name is Jesus. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find a scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday. And we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. And also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.